The iPhone XR is here at T-Mobile, and there's a whole lot to love. Like taking those perfect new year, new you portrait mode selfies you're going to share. Nice. It's the best way to stay connected to everyone you'll heart most in 2019. So get ready to fall in love with iPhone XR on T-Mobile, the most loved in wireless. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE to learn more or visit a store today. Welcome to to Homer and Back, the official podcast of Streaking the Line. My name is Pierce. I've got some very special guests with me this evening. First up, we've got Streaking the Line's own Caroline. Hey, what's going on? Oh, not much. How are you doing? Oh, excellent. Excellent. We've also got Streaking the Line's Brian. What's up, everybody? And I think uh, our, our very special guest this evening, Brian, if you want to introduce him. Sure, we've got uh, we've got former Virginia soccer um, dynasty in and of himself, uh, Aleko Eskandarian. This guy is a former you know Gatorade Player of the Year, three time All American. Uh, left UVA, played with the uh, DC United, won the MLS Cup with DC United, was named MLS Cup MVP. The list goes on and on. Recently won. Uh, a, a championship with the New York Cosmos. We've got uh, Aleko. What's going on, man? Not much. What an intro. Thanks, man. <laughs> right? <laughs> well, thanks for joining us, Aleko. We, we very much appreciate it. Um, certainly, it's an exciting uh, men's soccer season coming up, uh, coming off a championship, uh, cl- you know, the, the second one in, in recent history for the Who's. And um, they just had an exhibition game. They beat Navy 1-0. I assume in, in your busy schedule, have you been able to, to follow the recent Who's soccer? Yeah, as much as I can. I actually just got off the phone with uh, with George Gelnovach a couple of days ago, just uh, checking in and asking about preseason. And, uh, you know, I saw they, they had the 1-0 win. Uh, was it last night or two nights ago? But, uh, yeah, I try to keep uh, tabs on those guys as much as possible and obviously make it down to Charlottesville whenever I can. Good stuff. Well, before we dig into uh, maybe some preview stuff for this year's UVA squad, I want to talk a little bit about your time here uh, in Charlottesville in the hook and, and playing for the Wahoos. Um, what's it like coming out of uh, you know a successful season? I, I know you didn't uh, get a, to a championship uh, in, in your time here, but obviously you've got you know ACC championships and and you know rebuilding, but more in a sense of reloading from good teams every single year. What's it like getting getting into that end of the summer and, and getting prepared for the fall? Oh, it's always the most exciting time. Um, you know, when you're gone for the summer, it's really you know every player kind of takes a, a month or two, and the growth in that month or two when you're away is is unbelievable, actually. So. I know in my experiences, whenever I came back to start preseason, I, I was a different player from when I left. So, uh, and guys take it different ways. Some guys just need a mental break; they need to get a, get away from things. But for me, I really use that time off to work on my weaknesses and get stronger, faster, more technical, and all that stuff. So, I, I really enjoyed coming back in preseason and, and kind of showing the coaching staff and, and my teammates a, a new, better version of myself. So, I always look forward to, to preseason. Good stuff. 
Um, so, Aleko, what's it like being part of a program that has seen the success that it has over the past, you know, a decade or, or more and seeing you're kind of like the building blocks for that to see how far they've come where now you've got Coach Gelnovach walking down the red carpet at the ESPYs. Like, what's that like for you as a former player? I can't tell you how jealous I was when I saw that. <laughs> it's like a lifelong dream of mine is to get to the ESPYs and, and uh, George got there before I did. So I'm a little bit, a little bit jealous, but, um, but no, it's, it's awesome. You know, that's a main reason why uh, I decided to enroll at UVA in the first place is because the soccer pedigree is unmatched and it, it really makes you feel like you're part of a family. All the great players and people that have come through that program it's like its own fraternity in many ways. And to be able to share, uh, you know, my experiences with all those guys and to try to pave my own way and, and uh, you know, uh, I guess have a healthy competition with, with all these great players from the past and, and the next generation coming coming forward is a, is a special thing. So we very much enjoy it. It's a healthy competition. And that's the great part about being UVA. You always know there's going to be a next wave of great superstars that are coming in. For sure. I do have an interesting question um, in terms of talking about how uh, those generations are, are coming in and maybe changed a little bit, even as recently as since you were playing at Virginia. It seems like in this day and age, um, obviously the men's team with uh, Klinsman, uh, the men's national team with, with Coach Klinsman, there's been a... I think a resurgence in how the youth in the U S are preparing to play soccer at a top level. And with that has been the idea of enrolling in a soccer Academy, uh, whether it be abroad or, or in the United States, instead of playing in college, uh, which I think, you know, back when we were in college or beforehand, it was probably the, the easy popular option for a top player was to go play at a top NCAA program. If you were doing it all over again, uh, would you choose the same route? Not that I'm trying to get you to say you wouldn't go to UVA, obviously. <laughs> but do you see that, that that has become a different type of an approach for some of the top players in the country? Yeah, no, the, the landscape of soccer, uh, and especially youth soccer in this country, has changed dramatically. Um, I actually just got asked that the other day, you know, what route I would have taken. And I'm really not sure because... Mm-hmm. You know, my family, the way I was raised, also places a huge uh, importance on, on education. So um, I don't know how how different I would have done it. But, um, yeah, none of the academies or things like that were around when I was growing up. Uh, I never won the, a state cup or anything like that with my club team, never went to regionals or nationals. <clears throat> so I very much had a, a unique experience. But in many ways, I, I see all the benefits that I got from it, even with playing in high school where the level wasn't the best, but I had to really um, step up different parts of my game. It wasn't just about playing up top and scoring goals. You know, in high school, I remember taking goal kicks and, you know, when we had a lead, I had to go back and defend and it really (laughs) helped me become a a better all around player because now it's not about, you know, just worrying about my job. It's how can I help my team win? And that experience as a younger player is, is immeasurable. Because it's not, you know, soccer is a very me-centric sport, right? When you're playing, it's all about, you know, where do I want the ball? You know, when do I want to get it? You know, it's all about being in your comfort zone. And sometimes you need to get out of that comfort zone to really grow. And, you know, I I, I hopefully wouldn't change a thing um, from my childhood uh, experiences growing up. But then again, if Arsenal was going to buy me for $10 I probably would have taken it. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't think anyone can blame you for that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Ten million dollars or Gus Burgers. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, when you put it like that, actually, it goes a little harder. <clears throat> that's, um, a that's a tough. <laughs> you said you mentioned the educational piece. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but you went back to school 2010 to finish the degree out. What was that experience like? And I think um, you know, getting back on grounds and helping out with the program um, after you had initially come to come to school. Yeah, I think I'm unofficially the Van Wilder of UVA. Uh, <laughs> I was on the, I keep telling people I'm on the 11 year program, but uh, I'm not a doctor, but um, <laughs> no, it was great. It was great. Uh, I promised my parents, you know, when I went to UVA, I said, I, I promise you I will get my degree from here. And sure enough, after four semesters, um, I had the opportunity to go pro. And I told my parents, I said, listen, I, I didn't forget about my promise. I, I promise you I'll, I'll, uh, in, you know, enroll in credits, whatever I have to do to make sure I graduate from UVA, not from anywhere else, which would have been the easier route. I wanted to make sure I graduated from UVA. So mm-hmm. it, uh, it took me a while. Um, I had to get creative with, with, uh, my plan of action. I took, um, transfer credits from American university, from El Camino college in Los Angeles, I was all over the place, but uh, I slowly chipped away at it. And unfortunately, when my career had come to an end, uh, I decided to go back and go back to grounds and finish out my last year. So it was uh, an awesome experience. And just being back there with the players and being able to join the staff and pass down everything I learned was was an awesome experience for me. That's awesome. So talking about uh, joining the staff and, and passing on that experience, how had the game, the college game, like already changed during that short time, you know, relatively short time, I guess, you know, from when you played versus how things were being coached uh, now? Uh, you know, the game is always evolving. Um, it's tough to say. I, I think I think it's changed for the better, but also worse because I, I think the players all around the country are much more technical. They're much more tactically savvy. Um, you know, a huge testament is to how much – uh, media access we have to soccer these days. I mean, you can't flip through the channels without seeing a soccer game on. Whereas where I was growing up, you know, on Sundays you had to find the Spanish channel or Italian channel to to watch a game. Mm-hmm. So now I think kids are exposed to so much more international soccer, and so you're seeing a lot more creativity, a lot more technical ability, which is great. But I think the mental toughness is is lacking, and that's something that uh, you know maybe I'm a bit old school, but I think. Part of the, the culture now with especially youth soccer players is that they're so focused on, you know, technique and, and, you know, their relationship with the ball that now when they're out of their comfort zone, they kind of don't know what to do. Or you'll see guys who pout or even quit sometimes when they're not getting their way. Or, you know, if they're not playing, it's, oh, the, it's the team's fault. It's the coach's mm. fault. I got to go someplace else. Mm. Whereas, you know, in my day, it's more of, you're not playing, you find out why and you work to, to get playing yeah. time. But Millennials. Yeah, now Millennials. Kids the these days, days man. <laughs> I know, right? I'm such an old man right now. <laughs> What's funny that you say that, it, it reminds me immediately of the comparison, um, particularly t- towards more more recent years of U.S. soccer and men's soccer getting better because they, they try and – 
uh, have more skill players, you know, have that Clint Dempsey, someone who's going and, and to throw technique out there, technique out there and, and try things that are technical and not just do the, you know, coached uh, into what we do in this situation. So I do this and, and improvise more and whatnot. But if that leads to more of a style that's focused on pouting when you don't have the ball or whatnot, it sounds like a perfect com- comparison between what's historically been seen as the way Americans play soccer and the way Europeans play. Yeah, no, I was just saying uh, it's it's not so much the style of play that that makes kids act that way. It's more of the youth structure because of now you have all these different academy teams and different club teams and so kids have so much access to go to whatever team they want if it's not working out they'll just go to another team whereas you look across the board in europe south america it's a job for these kids you know when they're part of a club they're fighting every day to go up the ranks to make it to the first team to get a contract to get a a job and our kids don't understand that until after college which sometimes it's too late because you develop a lot of bad habits you know as a professional coach I can't tell you how many young players I've seen that they come in and they're super talented and you're just like, man, they have so many bad habits that it's too late to fix at this point. So it's more of uh, the culture in this country. There's almost too much, too many resources where kids don't have to really struggle um, in order to fight for their job and and, uh, get better. There's so many different clubs around and different Mm -hmm. teams around that they could just, you know, if things aren't going well, I had a bad coach. And I'm just going to go to this other team. And next thing you know, it's always an excuse. They're they're not focusing on, on their own issues. Yeah, there's so much opportunity to play at a more and more competitive level. But if you take advantage of that just by switching around, then you're not really being challenged enough. Yeah, it's, it's, how, it's how you're raised. I remember even even when I went to UVA, I remember showing up to, to Klockner for the first time. And I was like, I've never seen a grass field like this. Like, we don't have that in Jersey, just with mm-hmm. the weather and everything. It's, you know, it's tough to find uh, a field where the grass is green for more than uh, a couple weeks. And I remember even some of my teammates at UVA that I was thinking, man, these guys are spoiled. Like, they don't understand how awesome this is, that our practice fields are better than any game field in the entire <laughs> state of New Jersey. Clockers <laughs> <laughs> uh, a magical place. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But there, were, but there were kids that you could tell kind of grew up with it, and, and mm-hmm. they took it for granted. And it's just a different mindset. I, kn- I know for me that was – uh, a main reason why I had such a chip on my shoulder when I was at UVA, I, I wanted to prove to everyone that, hey, man, I'm, I'm happy to be here and I want to leave my mark. Whereas other guys were kind of, um, not everyone, but there were some guys who were kind of just going through the motions. So in a little bit of a different vein, but still going with the style of play, uh, Virginia's become known recently not just in basketball now but also soccer for having this defensive mindset um with the championship against ucla and even some of the games leading up to it you know beat georgetown in a uh, penalty kicks beating ucla and there was obviously some malcontent afterwards uh about quote parking the bus in front of the goal how do you like what's your take on that on that uh that skill set that galnovach is is kind of developing and using to his benefit Oof, that's that's a tough one. Um, <laughs> you know, I'll be honest. I, I think I even tweeted about it, so I'm not going to backtrack now. But I didn't like it. I, I didn't like it. Um, mm-hmm. Not that not that I don't respect it. It's just uh, you know, for me as a player and and even now as a coach, um, you want to go for it. You know what I mean? You want to let your players have that freedom to express themselves, um, and you want to 
you want to play an attractive style of soccer. And I think UVA, the reason why UVA has had the reputation that we've had is, is part of the attacking style of play. Now, mm-hmm. w- with that said, you know, from hearing George speak about it, and from what I understand, if, if this is the case, then I totally uh, appreciate and respect the decision to play the way they did. If you pull your team aside and say, guys, we can go out there, we can play such attractive brand of soccer, and we might lose, or do you want to win at all costs, and maybe we play counterattack, and we park the bus a little bit, and, and that's what we're going to do to try to win. And if the team buys into it, which it seems like they did, then that's what you go forward with. You know, Because yeah. at the end of the day... You know, I hate when people say it's not about winning because it's absolutely about winning. And, yeah. and it's also it's about losing, too. You know, I, I always tell all my players or um, youth players, you have to learn how to win. But you have to learn how to lose as well. But if you can find the ingredient to help you win, that's very, very important. Because even for the development of the players on that team, if they know, man, if, if 11 guys are committed to working their ass off defensively, can help you win that's a that's not only a soccer lesson that's a life lesson so mm-hmm. um to see them all so committed to defending was was pretty cool to see me personally i, I didn't find it attractive I, I wasn't uh on the edge of my seat watching games i was a little <laughs> bit um you know it, it left you it left you wanting more because I, I do believe we had some talented players but Listen, man, if the whole team buys into it, it doesn't matter what I think or whatever anyone else thinks. It matters what that coaching staff and that team believed in and what they believed in worked in. They got a national championship out of it, which I never got, so I can't say anything. <laughs> I would would you really have cool. asked? Oh, sorry. Go ahead, can I? I was going to say it's really cool like looking at the pieces that they did have. I, I'm in awe of the coaching job he did with the fact yes. that – recognizing what pieces he had and how to utilize those pieces, like you're saying, and what those defenders did against that potent UCLA, UCLA attack was like watching. Sometimes, I mean, sometimes it was a little rough, but there were some really great plays on defense and obviously mm-hmm. can't take away from the goalkeeper. He was fantastic, but um, I just thought it was interesting to get your take. And I, I agree. I don't, cause I don't think it's going to be a long time um, shift in the mentality of how the team plays. I think this might've been a one-off. Yeah. Well, listen, this the, is what the... we have. The greatest job that George did, which I give him so much credit for, is every player bought into the, their style. Mm-hmm. It wasn't, you know, and that's really tough to do, especially when you tell, you know, a group of teenagers, hey, we're going to defend. You know, that's not exactly the sexy part of the game. <laughs> um, and so it's very easy to have a couple of guys being like, man, coach was asking us to do this, but I want to go forward. I want to do my own thing. But with that UVA team, I mean, every guy starting lineup off the bench, they all believed in in their role and they all believed in what they were supposed to do. And that for me is a fantastic uh, job of coaching by George. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, that UCLA attack was very, very talented. I mean, they have some uh, future studs on, on that team and for them to, to shut them out and force it to PKs was was pretty cool. Yeah. Is that something that would have even, you know, crossed your mind to ask the players? You know, not that we're like you know, trying to second guess what coach did or something, but you know, you're you're in your own situation. You're you're a coach now. And you, is 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 that even an option for you uh, uh, on on your own? If obviously if a player comes up and says, "Hey, we we can do it this way," I'm, I'm sure you'll take into account. But you know, is, is that something that would have passed passed through your mind at all? Well, well, here's the thing, and I'm sure George did this. If if you're saying, okay, you know what, I'm gonna try playing an attacking style, and let's see what we could accomplish. 
And if it's not working, then at, at some point you have to make an executive decision and say, all right, guys, I try to do it your way and it's not working. So now let's try to find a different way that we can help us get results. And if that's what you have to resort to, then, then that's what it is. But, um, you know, and, and I'm very, you know, young and early in my coaching career, so I haven't had to face that dilemma yet. But, you know, I would imagine that, you know, you go for it by all means necessary, but at a certain point, if it's not working at all, and if you have the, the tools to win a different way, then absolutely you try, you try different ways. You can't get stuck, you know, just always playing a one, one style. That, that in itself is even more boring than defending. Um, so you have to always, <laughs> you got to always mix it up, and, and that's part of the development as well. Um, how do you like the coaching aspect of of the game? I know it's uh, you enjoy the playing part. Obviously, you did it for a while. Um, what's your favorite part about coaching? Man, uh, I don't know how many more competitive people there are in this world than, than me. Um, so, <laughs> just the com- competition aspect of it, I love. And it's funny because as a player, I always thought, man, coaches don't have any control on what we're doing. This is this is all us. This is all me. You know. Uh, but as a coach. It's pretty cool to really have your hand on on how the team plays, on you know the set pieces and who does what and the different roles in the lineup. I mean, you you literally control everything, and then you know it's all about the preparation of, of putting the team in a position to succeed, and then it's up to them to perform. And you try your best to to give them all the tools and confidence to then perform on the big stage. So that to me has been so awesome just to see. Uh, the work that that is put in um, on a weekly basis for training and then to see it all pay off on game day is is pretty cool. So uh, I I never thought I would, you know, really get into coaching this early in in my career, but so far I love it. Awesome. I have a question about your professional experience um, playing, you know, initially for the D.C. United. That's got to be cool to to stick around the area. Uh, MLS was really – you know, up and coming in 2003, I think people were starting to take notice and, and the United were one of the best teams early on in the history of that league. Um, but you stuck at uh, the MLS for the, the entirety of your professional career, right? Correct. Correct. Was that a purposeful decision on your part or just the way the the attention you were getting or whoever was, you know, uh, trying to court you to play for them? That That's just how it worked out. Or were you specifically thinking, you know, I like this league. I want, I want to stick here and not play abroad. Man, uh, it's funny looking back on my career how it could have gone in so many different directions. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, coming out of high school, I had some opportunities to go to Europe and train at a few places and, and give it a go. But obviously I chose to go to UVA instead. And after my freshman year, I believe, mm-hmm. um, my freshman or sophomore year, uh, I had an offer from Denmark. Um, so I went out there. I went on a two-week trial at a club called Alborg in Denmark, which is actually like a Champions League club. And it went really well. They won't sign me. And I got kind of a little bit um, – because I remember you know, just being on the phone with my parents and just being like, yeah, I scored three goals today. And they were like, sweet, we're going to go to bed now. And I'm like, okay, that's not that's not really how I want my pro career to start. You know, I want my family to be there to be able to watch me play and all that stuff. So I went back to UVA for another year, and then when it was time for me to decide um, after my junior season where to go, 
I had offers from Sporting Lisbon in Portugal, which mm-hmm. is funny because actually Cristiano Ronaldo was there at the time. <laughs> um, so yeah, that would have been interesting. But uh, I chose instead to go to MLS. I think it was probably the easier, more comfortable decision. And looking back, uh, I would have I would have liked to have seen how things would have panned out if I went to Europe. Um, but yeah, I, I really enjoyed MLS. I enjoyed being part of the growth in this country. I enjoyed, um, you know, playing and, and watching the league grow, watching the level of play grow and just being part of this whole movement. Uh, I took a lot of pride in that. And, you know, I knew with playing with the national teams that we could compete with the best teams in the world. You know, my, my national team, my age group specifically, the 1982 age group, um, which is, you know, Landon Donovan and Kyle Beckerman, Oguchi Onyewu. I mean, we had so many great players. And our U17 team, I think, still has the, the best uh, showing of any U.S. national team is when we got uh, fourth place at the Under-17 World Cup. And just throughout the years with the U20s, Olympic team, you know, whenever we face, you know, some of these so-called world powers, we always held our own and we won some big games. So mm-hmm. um, our, our age group really had this confidence of, you know, we can be, you know, the change, I guess, in, in this country. So it was pretty cool to get involved with MLS. But, um, yeah, at a certain point later in my career, I, I also could have gone over to Europe again um, and then decided to stay in MLS. So I don't know. Maybe there was something about being home and, and uh, being close to my family that, that kept me in the States. <laughs> Good stuff. And I, I certainly uh, can't talk about your professional career without bringing up the fact that you played a little bit for Bruce Arena, right? I did, yes, with LA Galaxy. So how is that coming? You know, I know he wasn't your coach when you were at UVA, but, I mean, that guy is responsible for the way the UVA program is uh, historically, obviously. And then having gone, you know, to the pinnacle and coaching the men's team, uh, what what's it like playing for him? Uh, well, it's funny because my, my first experiences with Bruce were actually my freshman year at UVA because I played with Kenny Arena, Bruce's son. Uh-huh. And so uh, Bruce would come to our games and every now and then would would speak to me. He was like the elephant in the room whenever he was there. We would get all nervous and, you know, see what he was going to say. <laughs> but um, I then lived with Kenny um, for a year and a half after that. So um, the arenas were always over uh, at our apartments and – uh, Bruce's wife Phyllis would would bring over some some home cooked meals. So uh, I loved the Arena family, uh, especially when I was in college. Um, and then as I started my pro career, Bruce actually called me into the full national team for uh, my only cap. So um, I had a great relationship with Bruce over the years. And when I was in LA, I was with Chivas USA at the time. Bruce was at the Galaxy, and uh, you know he would kind of always hint that, hey, uh, I wish I could bring you over to to the Galaxy and um, an opportunity arose where where uh, I was able to ask for a, a trade, and it uh, it worked out that Bruce was able to pick me up, and nice. it was uh, it was great. It was great playing for him. You know, he to this day I still think he's he's the greatest American coach of all time, and his record speaks for itself. You see the the job he's done with every team he's been at, really, and uh, it was a pleasure to play for him. Awesome. Well, you you mentioned LA, and that got me thinking. Um, you, you're fairly vocal about uh, Armenian Armenians. We want to know more about uh, your your date with Kim Kardashian <laughs> and exactly how that went down and, uh, and, and what happened there. 
It didn't go well, is, is my understanding. What happened? We went your side. That's such a misconception, man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, it went, it went great. I, mean, I don't know. I don't know what people were expecting, I guess. I, I wasn't going to make a video. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, no, it was it – was, uh, actually, we had a, a great time and, and uh, you know, kept in touch for a little bit, and, and that was about it. I, I wasn't really expecting anything out of it. I mean, there's uh, – you know, it, it's not a typical date when you have about 30 cameras, you know, all up in your face and following you wherever you go. So oh, it was more of like a, an appearance, I guess, than, than an actual date. But she was really <laughs> down to earth, and we had, a, we had a great time, and that's all did I have you, to say about you that. Did <laughs> I want to know if you picked up the tab. Uh, I, believe, I believe the E network picked up the tab. <laughs> I mean, there, was, right. there were, you know, one of these days I'll write a book because there were so many funny, awkward moments during that date. I mean, hilarious stuff. Hilarious. Stuff. I'll, I'll try to share. I'll share one story. With you. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, oh man, which one do I share? <laughs> all of them we have the time go ahead <laughs> we're just gonna turn this into a, a celeb yeah, gossip was... podcast i think so okay I'll, I'll share i'll share one with you so you know basically um you know we spoke on the phone and all that stuff and we kind of like set everything up and then uh when i go for the day I, I go to this restaurant they're like oh yeah be here at like six o'clock so i'm like all right whatever it's kind of early but no problem so i go there at six and they're like, yeah, Kim will be here in a little bit, like just chill in this room. Um, and as I walk through the restaurant, they take me to this back room. I see like they're making like basically a Hollywood set out of the restaurant. So I'm like, all right, that's awkward, you know, but whatever. <laughs> it's just going to be on the table and it won't be too bad. And the, the entire restaurant is empty, right? Oh, God. So I go to this back room and I'll never forget it because it was game six of the NBA finals and it was Lakers Celtics and I'm watching the game. So I'm like, whatever, I'm, I'm chilling. Um, and then about an hour and a half, two hours later, finally they're like, all right, everything's ready. Kim is here. And I'm like, okay. So I go back out into the restaurant. Oh no. So then the, this producer comes up to me and he's like, all right, so Kim is going to be standing at the bar. You're going to go up to her. You're going to walk over this like little ledge you're going to tap her on her left shoulder and you're going to start the date. And I'm like, oh, I got it. No problem. So I get out of this back room. The freaking restaurant is packed. I don't know if they were like actors or real people. I have no idea. But I'm like, wait, wait, wait. Where did all these people come from? And so I'm walking and I'm like, dude, now I'm going to get judged by all these people that are watching my date. Like I got to, I can't be a, a tool now. So I'm walking up to her. And I'm like, oh, man, am I supposed to tap her on the left shoulder, on the right shoulder? I don't remember. And I'm like, what the hell? What am I going to say? I was like, all these people are here watching. What am I going to say as my opening intro? <laughs> and oddly enough, I go up to her. I tap her on the shoulder. And my first words are, hey there, stranger. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. And I have not heard the end of that to this day. So. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it was it was awkward. It was awkward, but that's pretty amazing. <laughs> that's this explains nice. all the write-ups now. Actually, right. it all makes there sense. You now. Go, there you go. No, listen, it's it's funny though because you know, I, I as soon as we sat down, I told her I was like, "Look, 
I, I just wanted to meet you. I thought, you know, it's pretty cool to meet you. I'm not looking for anything more out of this. And she was like, oh, cool. Yeah, let's just have a great dinner and hang out. So um, she was really cool and down to earth. And like I said, it was it was a good time. That's cool. I just imagine that's how, you know, living in L.A. works. You just, you know, rub arms with famous people. Rub elbows. Is that a phrase? <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to move on. Why don't we talk about UVA? <laughs> I mean, if you're referring to her meeting me as, you know, rubbing arms with famous people, I guess that, that's how it works. <laughs> I'm kidding, guys. I'm kidding. <laughs> well, let's talk a little bit, but, uh, you know, certainly before we let you go, um, uh, more about this, the upcoming soccer season for sure. the Who's. Um, I think a cool article uh, for those listening, if you haven't seen Jeff White's article on VirginiaSports.com, is re- does a really great job of framing the season coming up because unlike the last time they won a title, they really do bring back a lot of talent. Um, the cupboard is not bare whatsoever. Obviously, Eric Bird is graduated, but uh, certainly they played most of the successful games without their best player, Eric Bird, last year. But uh, whether you're talking uh, Todd Wharton or Darius Matt, Madison up front or Pablo or Nico, et cetera. Um, and they've got a, a guy named Jeff Caldwell who's starting a goal who I wrote a little bit about in my preview, if, if anybody caught that. But uh, he played for FIFA uh, for the U.S. Under-20 World Cup um, in New Zealand this year. So he should sit right, uh, you know, coming in to start for uh, Mr. Brown, who left. I'm excited. They, they just won – their first exhibition game, but particularly because of all the talent they got coming back, I think they, they, it's warranted that they have this number two preseason ranking, uh, or maybe they need a number one. I mean, what do they have to do besides win a championship to be preseason number one? But uh, what, what do you think? What do you see when you look at the roster? It's certainly a reloading year, not a rebuilding year. What, anything stand out to you? Yeah, no, you see there's there's a lot of senior leadership with Todd Warren and Scotty Thompson, uh, guys like that who – bring that veteran leadership that the young guys can really benefit from. But the wild card every year in college soccer is how the freshmen are going to adapt. And if you could have uh, young players who are able to step in and make an impact and make your team better, then that's, that's really what carries the team. In my opinion, obviously all the other pieces are very important, but you always need that one or two uh, young guy that kind of uh, makes a splash. And I think UVA has been able to get that the last years which has helped them especially on some of their postseason runs so uh, we'll see who steps up i know um there's a young player derek etienne from from jersey who uh has done very well and I, i'm very excited to watch him and and see how he uh how his form translates to the college level but um with with george there and the coaching staff matt Chulis and all those guys you always know there's going to be a competitive team um that's taking the field and hopefully uh hopefully the guys will continue to improve and make another run at this thing Excellent. Yeah, I think uh, we can look forward to a good season for sure and, and hopefully some sustained success throughout the ACC and they won't have to worry about uh, making the 16th seed in the NCAAs like they did <laughs> last year. But hell, whatever wins them a championship, right? Uh, you know, <laughs> it's, it's all about how you finish, not how you start. So. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Even with parking the bus in the goal or what, I still can't get over it. The sour grapes from the UCLA coach after that game. I mean, usually clearly we were the better team. I know. Uh, I mean, clearly oh, the God. score doesn't reflect that. <laughs> Was it Nico that had the best Twitter response? Yes, of, yes, yes. I, I can't hear you behind this big ass trophy. But. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's pretty awesome. Well, uh, let's get a couple of predi- predictions from you, Aleka, before we let you go. Um, certainly, uh, why don't we start with soccer, and then maybe we'll ask for some bonus predictions. But how do you see this season shaping up for the Hoos? Obviously, I, th- I think we're, we're looking optimistically here, but do you want to put uh, your, your reputation as a coach and former all-star and, and UVA legend on the line and, and, and call what they're going to do this year? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that's no, totally listen, fair. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm excited to watch, watch them play first. And, and I think once I see them play, then, uh, then I could kind of give, uh, give my opinion. But in terms Sorry. of what I hope will happen, I, I, listen, I hope, I hope uh, first and foremost that we dominate the ACC because uh, those you know, conference rivalries are, are huge. And anytime you do well in the conference, it usually translates into, uh, into success in the tournament. So, Hopefully, uh, you know, I looked at their schedule. They got, they're going to have some tough games, and um, it could, those games can go either way. So when you were talking about seedings before, it's always misleading because I don't think anyone – there aren't many teams in the country that really play the strength of schedule that UVA plays. So even when they drop a couple games here and there, it doesn't mean that um, they're not a great team. It's just going to help. Those experiences will help them in the long run. For sure. And I think uh, to our point earlier about playing to a team's strength and not not thinking that, you know, the way that they finish the season with a defense at all costs mindset, um, certainly they've got the talent to push the ball and score some goals uh, this year, too. So I think Listen, I'm I, looking forward to seeing that. My prediction was boring. Let me let me let me sack up. <laughs> this here, right? I'm going to say ACC championship and, and another final four. That's OK. The hard hitting stuff. Uh, any, anybody anybody going with a, a different type of prediction or, or we're, I think we're all keyboard, probably keyboard cap back to back national champs. Yeah. It's gonna be awesome. Is yeah. it going to be against UCLA again? I think that would be particularly um, fun. Take them out in the final four by a, like a like a big goal margin just just to rub it in <laughs> just to like three nothing like that just to be like oh you didn't like our bus style well here's three a bus nothing to the a, let's just, go yeah. nine nothing and then we'll... <laughs> yeah okay that's realistic you guys <laughs> yeah, i actually i actually think we should park the bus every single time and play ucla from here on out <laughs> yeah you know i would be on board with that and then just wave just wave yeah. should just wave at their coach just be like <laughs> Excellent. What can we ask you for a bonus football prediction for uh, the other the other football uh, for the Wahoos who also are going to play UCLA? Um, yeah, yeah. Start the season. Yeah. Listen, Let's man, I'm bus too. I'm, Does that work? <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little bit spoiled because listen, when I when I was in school, our football team brought it, man. We had mm-hmm. we had some ballers and you know the Heath Miller years and yep. we had uh, we had we had some great teams. Matt Shaw, but, yeah. yeah. That shot, used, that's right. We used to beat tech back then. We used to beat tech. Tell <laughs> more stories. <laughs> no, I, I, I hope they turn it around. I mean, I don't know what's going on with the quarterback position or any of that stuff. I know uh, my good buddy uh, Marcus Higgins is, is on the coaching staff there, so mm-hmm. I try to keep tabs on him. Um, and I've been uh, texting back and forth with Chris Long anytime there's a game on TV and try to get his mm-hmm. feedback. But hopefully they could turn it around, man. Uh, you know, there's all the talent in the world there. The fans are – have been bringing it the last few years. So hopefully the guys on the field uh, can make a statement this year. Awesome. Well, I'm, I'm certainly looking forward to it as, as we wait, wait, wait. Are you, are you letting him off the hook? Are you letting him off the hook? We asked for a prediction. Oh, you're uh, right. Oh, you're right. right. Hopeful no, talk. thanks for keeping us honest there. Uh, Brian's, Brian's <laughs> Twice in charge. Issue. Here's my prediction. <laughs> UVA football will not make the final four. 
I think that's that's fair. Um, yeah, maybe a little pessimistic. I don't know. Uh, Matt Matt Johns, man. Matty football is going to take Ice. care of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Aleko, thanks so much. Uh, I appreciate you joining us. Um, we got a lot of good stuff, and uh, we look forward to following your coaching career for sure, maybe following your dating life uh, in, in the tabloids. <laughs> but, but certainly looking forward uh, to following the uh, the Who's this season. Uh, and, and we hope that you can make it down to Clockner, maybe join us again and, and talk about it. Uh, what, what's, what's your go-to spot when you, you come back to Charlottesville? Oof. Well, Little John's obviously for turkey sandwiches. Yes! <laughs> sandwiches are so good. I, I heard ever, ever since I left there, wondering why their sales went down so much, but uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll hopefully be back to <laughs> to give them all my money again. But uh, no, man, I it's funny because the second time around when I came back, I didn't even know the downtown mall existed when I first came to DV. <laughs> yeah. I mean, literally all, all I knew was U-Haul and, and the, you know, the the cafeteria that was about okay. it um but uh yeah coming back the downtown mall is awesome now man so i have a couple couple of restaurants down there that i love uh where'd i go i go to to 10 to moss nice downtown grill i miss all those places man so yeah no hopefully i'll be back mm-hmm. pretty soon i gotta go tubing down the james river too i missed that Ooh, yeah. oh our, our last guest luke Bowanko, i know is a big fan of that so we, <laughs> we should just have a whole Maybe we could podcast on the James River someday. from the tube. Yeah, <laughs> I just we'll love get that right there's on a that. place on the downtown mall called Sky Bar, and it's on the second story. Like, <laughs> that's why I love it's awesome, though. That place it is, is so awesome. I love <laughs> shout out to Sky Bar. Right? If y'all want to sponsor us, we're here. Yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> like, the Sky Bar podcast brought if to that, you. <laughs> if that Bojangles money doesn't come in, all right. Well, <laughs> we'll we'll end on that note. Aleko, thank you again uh, very much for joining us. Uh, I'll go ahead and sign off uh, for the the Streak in the Line cast of characters. I've got Caroline and Brian. I'm Pierce. Uh, Thanks for listening, those of you out there, and we'll be back soon. Go Hoos! The iPhone XR is here at T-Mobile, and there's a whole lot to love, like taking those perfect New Year, New You portrait mode selfies you're going to share. Nice! It's the best way to stay connected to everyone you'll heart most in 2019. So get ready to fall in love with iPhone XR on T-Mobile, the most loved in wireless. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE to learn more or visit a store today. The iPhone XR is here at T-Mobile, and there's a whole lot to love, like taking those perfect new year, new you portrait mode selfies you're going to share. Nice. It's the best way to stay connected to everyone you'll heart most in 2019. So get ready to fall in love with iPhone XR on T-Mobile, the most loved in wireless. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE to learn more or visit a store today.